0: You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 27, Glenn Hughes, Play Me Out. And coming to you from the prematurely dark and gloomy suburbs
1: of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island, it's John the Long Goodbye Matola. Oh, nice. You switched it up from the Rhode Island facts. Ah, but I do have Rhode Island facts. Do you know that <laughs> over four... <laughs> uh, but wait. What's what's Rhode Island's chief export? Um, Podcast hosts? Yes. <laughs> do you know that over 400 Rhode Islands can fit inside Alaska? Oh, I didn't know that, but I can believe it. It is. It is believable. I don't know who... <laughs> cobble that together but it's um i cannot fact check it but i'm sure it's true Uh, it it sounds right to me i don't think we need to fact check it any more than that stay tuned next week the state bird and all the other stuff you've been (laughs) been bothering (laughs) me about till i tell people we've been teasing that for like a month (laughs) i know
0: shit i should have gone with that today so you know if you want to keep up to date on this show please subscribe and apple podcasts for all of your latest rhode island facts You can subscribe on YouTube. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links to all that are at deeppurplepodcast.com. You can contact us at info at deeppurplepodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, probably don't like what you hear so far, but later on in the show, if you decide you like what you hear, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon as little as $1 a month. We'd really appreciate it. And to help new people discover the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So, to start off today, kicking it off, um, thanks to our patrons. We've got Clay Wambacher and Steve Seaborg of all the worlds of stage.net at the $5 tier. Peter Gardeau at the $3 tier. L's Murders, and Spacey Noodles at the $1 tier. And a big thank you to our brothers at the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Thank you for all of your support. Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, The Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered, and Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts. And I'm adding an additional thank you to our good friend, Jorg Planer that I'm calling him the patron saint and archivist of the deep purple podcast, because anytime I go to him for any sort of, if I'm in my research, unsure of something or can't verify it, I just message him and he gets right back to you with an insane amount of information. And not just if I say, Oh, when was this album released officially? He won't just say, here's the date. He'll be like, here's three articles about the album coming out from different newspapers and all this sort of stuff. It's really, really impressive. So, big thank you to him for all that he does for the show. Um, some updates. So, speaking of York Planer, there was some controversy about our tweet about the, the release date for come taste the band. And everybody on October 10th, I believe it was, was tweeting, Oh, it was released on this day. It was released on this day, but it wasn't. It actually, we had talked about this on the episode and I never really pieced it together until talking to Jorg. We kind of had to back and forth and, and figured it out. But basically it looks like it was released at the beginning of November because there was a, an issue with the sleeve and I thought, what could the issue with the sleeve be? But remember when we talked about how they accidentally printed it and it said, come and taste the band? Yeah. Well, that was the issue. They related, they printed all these sleeves. They said, come and taste the band. And Coverdale looked at it and was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so they re- had to redesign the whole thing. And it, it delayed the album coming out for like a month. So everyone was erroneously posting that that's when it was released, but it, it wasn't. So Yeah, the little and just makes it sound kind of clunky. I'm glad that it was that it, it was the out. right move. Um, I'm surprised based on what we've heard of deep purple and their management throughout the years that they weren't weren't like uh eh, but, release it anyway yeah, who cares <laughs> it's like that scene in elf where the dad's like, you think I'm gonna take a, a ten thousand dollar bath so a little kid knows what happens in the story send it to the printer. you know they <laughs> print this kid's story that's like missing the last page or whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. James Kahn was in charge of the band. James Kahn. Just, just send it. Press those discs. Get them out there. <laughs> ah, come and taste the band. Who the hell's going to notice? <laughs> who cares? Get used to it.
0: <laughs> um, I'd like to thank also Scott Haskin who sent us over the complete lyrics to Share Kazoo and other stories. He's got like this file out of all the actual complete lyrics, which is really cool. Wow. I'm going to put that up on the, on the website in the show notes. You can look at it there. Uh, another interesting fact a lot of interesting little one-off tidbits um, here we go I'm going to find this little thing to show you but basically found out that we had talked about this a long time ago but there's this tribute to Deep Purple Funky Junction play a tribute to Deep Purple which where it's actually <laughs> Phil Lynott and I think maybe some other members of yeah. Thin Lizzy we had talked about it Yes. And I really, I li- I've listened to it. It's really good. I thought it was actually Just Then Lizzie, but I guess it's kind of a little bit of a crossover band. But Mike Healy on Twitter points out that this album cover is not that band or that show or anything. This is actually the band Hard Stuff, John Gustafson's band that we talked about last week, how they, they did that um, version of, oh, what was it from Share I've already forgotten.
1: Um, Driving One of the songs. Wild? Was it driving no, me wild? No, wasn't
0: or? driving me wild. It was uh, Donkey Monster, Monster, in Paradise. I think <laughs> Donkey was Donkey Ride Dream. <laughs> so yeah, so I just thought it was kind of funny that they're like, I don't know, just put any old band on that cover. You're like it's not even the band. It's not even the right band. They just had a cop uh, a picture that they probably the first picture that they saw, and they just said slap it on the cover. T- talking about these seventies record companies that just, oh boy didn't seem to give a shit about anything. <laughs> Imagine that you just release, you know, we talked about in rainbow and they've used some shots of elf and some shots of Richie to make it look like they played, you know, you can understand that because they hadn't played any shows yet, but to take another band
1: seems kind of crazy. I don't know. Some of the stuff that I hear about these people, it's just like, you know, I, I would try and get away with being that sloppy at my job. They would have fired me a long time ago. <laughs>
0: I know. All I guess all that matters is you are continuing to uh, bring some money in. They don't really care about anything else. Mm. Um, Spacey Noodles messaged me on Patreon to let me know we talked about Ian Gillan's Karamba website, and uh, <laughs> apparently Karamba. he launched a YouTube channel called Ian Gillan's Karamba TV. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I have a link to that in the show notes too. He hasn't really updated it in about a year or so, but it's very. It does a few videos and they're kind of entertaining if you want to check them out. And then we also have uh, our buddy Steve Seaborg at alltheworldsoftage.net, our, our, our patron, uh, offered tickets to see UFO, but I'm actually already have tickets to go something see something else that day, but apparently he's going to be at the D Purple show, so I'm going to get to meet him bef- before right. the show, which will
1: be really cool. Awesome.
0: And then, lastly, on Twitter, I started an alphabetical poll to pick everyone's favorite Mark 1 song, so we're about... we got a few rounds left of the first round before oh. we see who advances to the next round, but the the songs you would expect, April... Hush, and what's the third one so far?
1: Most of the ones that I'm picking are losing <laughs> by the way Oh. Uh, yeah, well, we've got yeah, we've got a few the the
0: it seems like the obvious picks so far are winning the most recent one that I posted has uh Lalania uh what's the other big one uh, not ring that neck um mandrake root Mandrake Root. that mandrake root to me seems like it's gonna be the the winner. For this round but I guess we will see I'm calling it up right now just to see where we're at so it looks like yeah Mandrake Root's kind of running away with it Lalania is probably the closest second place we've had so far nice listen learn read on in third place and love help me in a very distant fourth place in this round so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and I think that's about it for the for the for that but we do of course as we talked about last episode have an exciting news from the field segment because you went to go see deep purple and we have not really talked about it at all
1: um no i was saving it for the show (laughs) yeah i did give you some updates during the show um and post but like
0: yeah a couple of texts but the show was Butters. Butters, <laughs> I still haven't found that sheet. I gotta look for that.
1: <laughs> using our old vernacular. Bob. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, anyways, um, yeah. So I went to the show. Um, God, what was it? Last Thursday, Wednesday, or Thursday? What was it? Uh, last Wednesday, I think. I'm gonna Wednesday, throw. I'm gonna yeah. throw
0: some pictures that you sent me just to. Right. Right. So. so
1: last Wednesday. Um. So. There we go. First picture up there is um, me and my buddy, my new buddy Peter Gardeau. Thank you. Uh, sharing our beers. So what? What? What is? What? What are you drinking there? It looks very interesting. Um, uh, let me see. I think this was the was this the first or the second beer that I had. Peter, by the way, uh, when he came in, he bought me two beers.
0: Oh, you see, he under promised and over delivered. Yeah. He said so, he was just going to well, buy you one.
1: What a guy! Well, <laughs> when I came in, I was actually like I had met um I had met somebody else while waiting for him because we met in a uh, Mohegan Sun at well, this um I think it's called the Lansdowne Irish Pub or something like that. So I was sitting at the bar and I saw a guy with an Iron Maiden t-shirt. So yep. of course I'm like, "You going to the show?" Yep. So we started talking <laughs> about music, and um and then uh, Peter walked in um and his friend he had uh, two of his friends with him, uh, Don and Mark, who um are not, he, he started off by saying they're not listeners of the show, but I'm hoping that maybe that changes. Oh,
2: nice.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, and it was great timing because when my other new friend got up to leave, like they all came in. So he sat down and I think I had a, um, uh, I think that was a sweet baby Jesus porter. Oh, okay. So it was like a, I think it was a peanut butter porter or something, you know, I was being all like, you know, fancy and shit. And like, you know, Peter was just <laughs> like, you know, None of that fancy stuff for me. Um, (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but yeah, anyways, um, yeah, he wanted to uh, take this, he's like, come on, let's take a selfie and send it to Nate. (laughs) Nice. I appreciate that. um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so we sat down, we were like talking for like quite a while. We were probably there for like an hour or so before the show started because it was like basically like right downstairs, you Uh know, because it was in the casino. And so we're like, um, you know, uh, talking about like, um, just everything like music. And it was really funny because we'd never met before. And like um, there was, there was one moment he was talking about something. I think he was talking about like his old band performing something. He's like, we weren't even talking about like which bands and he's like, Oh, you know that song, a uh, bad time by, uh, uh, and I'm like grand funk. And he goes, yeah,
2: yeah. Grand funk. You know it's like,
1: you know, it was just like, it was really cool to like, you know, hang out with somebody that like, you know, like just knows all the same music. And yeah, you don't have to like explain like, oh, like, you know, this is who's this and who's that and everything. But he was like uh definitely like singing the, the praises of the show. And um it was it was funny because he's like, Oh, you know this episode where you said this or whatever. And um so it was like it was really cool. It was very like like great guy, really um interesting to talk to, friendly, his friends were really nice. Um, great. um when I told him what the the next episode was uh, I don't know if he asked or if I told him, and I'm just like, yeah. I said the next um I said after the, the next episode, the one the week after is gonna be uh the first rainbow, and he's like, Yes. He <laughs> was like all <laughs> excited, yeah, rainbow. Awesome. So it was like very cool. Um, so yeah, so we um yeah, we hung out at the bar for a while and then we went in, um, grabbed our seats, which I forgot how small the venue it was. It looked really small for the pictures. Yeah, Jeez. it was like um, yeah, it was like a half like venue, you know, it was like a nut, um, what do you call it? A, um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know like what, what the size of it was, but like, but if you look at the seating map, we had like, you know, the, the side seats from the stage. And when we got in, I, we're basically sitting on the floor. We're like the first row before the floor seats. So, I mean, it's like, you really couldn't get much better seats unless you were like sitting dead on.
2: Yeah. it It was
1: really, no bad seats in the house, but even even like him and his friends were surprised. We are just like, shit, these are good seats. <laughs> yeah. So um, we got in in time for uh, Joyous Wolf, yep. who um, you if you're watching, you see pictured here. And um, I actually hadn't heard them, but on my uh, hour plus trip to um, Connecticut, I put on their album on um, Spotify to get familiar with them. And uh, they have some pretty good stuff. I see how they fit in with Deep Purple. You know, they have that kind of, like kind of, you know, a uh, uh, modern, you know, take on like the classic rock vibe. Are they just a trio?
0: Um, no, no, there's no, a, no, no this, there's four of them. Yeah, I'm trying to look. Obviously, yeah, that
1: guy doesn't have a guitar. So. Oh, yeah. yeah no, just, it looks like the bass players are standing behind him from the shots. Yeah, so they're really good. Um, so we caught maybe a few songs of their set before they left because we weren't like, oh, let's rush in and see them right from the beginning. But we didn't want to miss them either. So... Um, so they did a pretty, pretty good performance. Um, pretty, you know, you could see pretty stripped down, everything like that. So, um, I liked them. I thought they were really good. Very appropriate to have on, uh, the road with them with purple and, um, young looking guys. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, you know, the main, the main attraction, main attraction, deep purple. Yep. Which uh, yeah, it was happened really fast too, and they played for a long time too. So this was really cool. I sent this picture to you as like yeah. the uh, like an updated yeah. thing of, of in rock, but from where we were sitting and the way that the the screens were set up, you have like Ian Pace on one side, Ian Gillen on the other side, and then that's it.
0: Yeah, like so, I guess that screen in the background would have filled in if you were sitting dead center. Would have yeah look like i can see i think that's is that don airy poking out from the side there? i think
1: i think so yeah it's funny because, i like that
0: they've updated the in rock well they've 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 kind of done that ice theme to, to match with like the infinite album and then yeah. they've also updated their portraits so they don't look like they're 25 anymore
1: right yeah um yeah which is uh it was <laughs> really funny because don airy has like this friggin' bowl cut or whatever <laughs> Does he look like little Lard Fauntleroy well no he was like like we were watching him and everything and it was funny I think it was I think it was P- it was Peter or um or Don or Mark I think but he one of them said uh and Peter leaned over and he goes he's like yeah like um Don said it looks like Charles Bronson on keyboards or <laughs> something he started cracking up because he looks just he looked just like him. <laughs> We're like, oh my god! We're like, crack it up. We, we came up with a couple of funny ones, but um, but yeah. Anyway, so they had that um up on the screens, and then they dimmed the light, and they had that um, um Mars Bringer of War, um, which oh, yep, was like yep. the song they came out oh, to great. by um, um Holtz. Yep, uh, which was um, I thought kind of a kind of a unusual song to intro them with but i mean still appropriate i mean deep purple can do whatever they want um <laughs> that's <is> true <laughs> so um yeah so they so as you can uh, see here they they came out with a very very little pizzazz or flash like the only one that seemed to have dressed up was Roger Glover like everybody else was just like like you see Ian Gillan just has a pair of like old man pants and a black t-shirt on oh one of one of our our our, our followers on twitter um
0: went to see them Yeah, recently and posted a picture of Ian Pacey's like afterwards he's wearing like a cardigan and he looks like he looks like just like a, you know, an old guy that just got the newspaper and is going to sit in his recliner and read it.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because like Ian Gillen was wearing all black. You have like, like all the, everybody except for Ian Gillen and Don Airy were like wearing like sleeveless shirts, which I thought was kind of funny. And yep. then like, but Don Airy had like this pinstripe button up shirt. Like he was like a school teacher or something. <laughs> it's like, but I mean, um, but uh, you know, it wasn't obviously not a fashion show. So it's like, yeah, um, exactly. They, Who cares? Yeah. But they, yeah, it was, it was cool to see him. So they, they came out and they, um, yeah, they rocked the place. Um, they were like, um, I mean, I'm not going to go through everything, but you know, as you would figure they did the standards, you know, they opened with highway star, which was awesome.
2: Yep.
1: Um, pictures of home, uh, blood sucker demons. Oof. Eye. that's a good, a uh, good start so far. Right. So right up to there, you're thinking like, okay, how does Ian Gillen like 72, 73 years old deal with all this stuff? He still sounds really great. Um, yeah. that's the, that's the one thing that I was kind of like impressed by was his like, He's definitely, like, an old guy. Yeah, oh, sure. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But he doesn't try to hit those, like, high notes, but occasionally he will go into the higher register, and he, like, he really nails it. Like, some of these guys, like, you'll hear, like, occasionally, and they sound like they're struggling Mm -hmm. to kind of, like, do what they used to do, or they will obviously, very obviously, like, tune down or... I don't know, whatever. And it's just like, um, and he's still like, I mean, he's not singing child in time anytime soon, but you know, it was like really good. And the, the parts that he modified uh, for his current voice, for his current vocal abilities was like, not like it. I mean, it worked, you know what I mean? It didn't sound like, you know, ah, we got cheated. Yeah, Like, yeah. I mean, he, he pretty much sounded like the way he did like through, the 80s like his voice is, you know kind of retain that kind of like um because you know in the like the early 70s he had that kind of like younger like you know voice and everything and then it kind of got a little bit more like a little bit in the 80s or whatever and it hasn't seemed to have like really gone downhill except that he can't like you know hit those high notes anymore or he won't try Mm -hmm. um but i mean occasionally here or there he will um so they did sprinkle in some some newer songs and by that i mean they uh sometimes i feel like screaming from perpendicular which was like 96 Mm -hmm. um uncommon man from uh now what from 2013
0: yeah that's that's a good one Uh, nice tribute to john lord
1: yeah he and they dedicated it to john lord and he like you know he he kissed the sky and like you know peace Uh. sign and everything and not as much explosive applause as I would have liked, but I'm You're a little disappointed. Like, hey, <laughs> well, I mean, everybody was like, yay, and I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, come on, you know, stand like, up, you assholes. Yeah, come on, John Lord, for Christ's sake. Yeah, right. But, um, I mean, you'd,
0: th- you'd think that the place would just to bring the house down. I mean, it's yeah, it's been almost 10 years,
1: but well, I guess yeah. seven years or whatever, but still. Um, they did a uh, Lazy, mm. um, Time for Bedlam off the new album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Perfect Strangers, um, Space Truck In Smoke on the Water, of course, um, and then the encores were uh, Hush and Black Knight. Hmm. Not, not a uh, didn't save smoke for the encore, huh? No, no, they they closed out the the uh, the main set with it. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know. I feel like for a Deep Purple show, first of all, they they played really well. I mean, yeah. they of course they they all sound great. Um, they're all great musicians still to this day. Um, you can tell that they're like, uh, having a good time. Um, they sprinkled in like, I don't know if you could say really the hits. I mean, Deep Purple really didn't have like a ton of hits if you think about it. Like, but I mean, the more popular songs, like yeah, I mean, you, everybody knows like. The songs that are hits with the fans anyway. Yeah. Highway Star, Smoke on the Water. But I mean, there's some deep cuts in there. I mean, like, I don't know, Demon's Eye. I mean, uh, I was kind of impressed with Bloodsucker. Yeah, that's great. uh, Yeah. I wasn't expecting to hear any of that stuff. I mean, you're not gonna hear anything from like uh come come and taste the band, but you know. (laughs) Well that that would be something. Um but yeah, there were there were a couple of things that were like uh missing. Like woman from Tokyo. Um I think um uh Peter mentioned that, like uh they didn't do that, but you know, it's um but, you know, uh, mostly I th- there was a good set. And they played for, like, I think a good couple of hours anyway. So like, yeah. it was a pretty long show. And there wasn't a lot of, like, BS in the middle, you know what I mean? Like, there, a little bit of stage banter, not a lot of extended jamming. Like, you know, when yeah. they left for the encore, they didn't leave you waiting for 20 minutes or whatever. Like, they were really to the point. they got to get to bed. I mean... <laughs> now, the best thing about Ian Gillen, which I tried to capture on video, but I missed it, was is like, he... Like he just doesn't have, he does not have moves anymore. Like he used to be like, you know, when he was in his twenties, like super cool whipping his hair around and doing the bongos and everything. And now he just does like the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. Like he just like, he goes off to the, yeah. here it is. You got, you got it pull <laughs> I figured
0: up. I'd have a, a video of a video reference of Elaine dancing. So if for, for our, for our this, YouTube listeners, I don't know if any of our international listeners are not familiar with Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld, but but the this is the infamous Elaine from
1: Seinfeld, <laughs> which is pretty much what Ian Kellen was doing. I can't wait. I mean, it, it wasn't that exaggerated, but oh yeah, he's he just got basically- the thumbs going out.
0: He's just. Doing the thumbs. Right.
1: Well, you know what? Um, and again, I have to, I have to give like, um, I got to give Peter credit for this one. He was, um, he was coming up with a lot of these funny observations. He's like, cause you know, Gillen would go in the background and he'd, he'd be doing this <laughs> kind of stuff. And he's like, he looks like that. He looks like that goofy old uncle that's like at the party and he's like trying to be cool and dance. And it's just like, yep, <laughs> that's
0: him. Well, he was <laughs> never much of a uh, dancer.
1: But I mean, even his moves on stage, when he used to like shake the maracas or the tambourine, or like yeah. you know do the you know the bongos or whatever. I mean, at least he you know he looked really cool, and now he just basically looked like you know that 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 crazy old uncle, like you know doing a doing a little dance or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but my favorite part, and, I, and that's not to like definitely not knocking him at all, because oh I mean, no, it's like it was it was still like um, it was just funny because it's just like you could just tell like. I mean, he's my dad's age. I mean, I'm just yeah, picturing my yeah. dad going out there and doing the same thing. And so it's just like, yeah, you can't help it. And he doesn't give a shit anyways. He's Ian Gillen. Like, yeah, talk I mean, he's, he can do whatever he wants. What does he have to prove? Um, but my um, one of my favorite parts was, um, I think it was uh, during uh, Lazy, um, they were doing the whole intro. So he comes out from the middle, like the drums, as you can see, if you're looking at the pictures are on the left, keyboards on the right, um, you know, and then um, Morrison lover on either side so he comes out and then all and then all of a sudden he stops and he like he looks around he puts his finger up like well oh, wait a minute and then he just turns around and like like hobbles away and then he comes back like a couple of minutes later holding his microphone like <laughs> oh, can't 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 sing without this <laughs> it's like and we were just cracking up because it's just like he is literally like just this like goofy old man on stage like oh, forgot my microphone you know <laughs>
0: That's great it's it's i mean that's that was like it's good it was a it's, lot of it sounds of great fun. and relaxed and just you know it's it's it good was. that they're not taking themselves so seriously
1: and just having a having a fun time it's awesome no yeah it was it was like it was a lot of fun it wasn't like um like Like if you paint that kind of picture, it can sound one of two ways. Like, Oh man, this is like, this is pathetic. And they're dragging it on for too long and they're making fools of themselves. Or like what you just said, they're having fun and it's relaxed and it's like a fun show. And it was definitely the second one. Like there was no air of just like, Oh man, they gotta, they gotta hang it up. They're just embarrassing themselves. Like not at all. Yeah. I would, I would definitely recommend going. It was definitely worth, or you're going to have fun. I'll take your
0: recommendation. (laughs) I think I'll go this Friday.
1: And and meet the band.
0: And I'm going to meet the band. I'm very, go very excited. The band. I've got my um behind me my LP of the Butterfly Ball. I'm going to bring that and see if Roger will sign it for me.
1: That yeah. is like full circle for you. I'm, you're going to be so excited. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> great. But apparently, I guess they'll sign. I so our our
0: friend on Twitter that I was asking asking them all these questions like, well, what about this? What about that? Because and they told me about. What they did, what they brought, all that sort of stuff. How, what, what they're going to sign. So I'm really, a, I, I needed pointers because I I haven't. The last time I went to a VIP sort of thing was about 20 years ago, and my friend from that that I grew up with, she knew the band, so uh, we, we got back there, and it was very like kind of like well whatever, and uh, it wasn't very. This this seems like it'll probably be a little more structured. Like this mm-hmm. is we were just hanging out with a band and. it was, it was was a blast, but this, this is, it's going to be, I'm sure a little more rigid. Like this is your time to get the sign. This is your time to take pictures. So I just wanted to make sure I did everything correctly.
1: Yeah. VIP meet and reads have definitely changed in the past 20 (laughs) years. Yes. Um, I think that they started doing them as packages the way they do now, probably, probably around that, probably around 20 years ago, if I'm not wrong. And, um, You know, it's definitely like evolved into like a thing now. Like, like you said, very structured. Like like all bands. Yeah, I'm sure
0: it's just going to be a machine. They just want to get you in. They got they got your money. They're going to get you in. You'll have your time to chit chat with the band real quick. Get your stuff signed. Get you out. Try to sell you some more merchandise on the way out. Get you know,
1: just get the whole group through. But Um, I feel like um, the scale that they're on now, and um, just kind of like the the you know what I mean. Like they're not like super super huge um, right right like right now so i feel like it's, not, feel like, like, yeah, it it's not like yeah it's not like going relaxed. to see taylor yeah. swift
0: or, or or something you know it's, it's right like
1: i'm sure there's going to be that structured component to it but i bet you that like for for your money you'll have um you know it'll probably be really relaxed
0: being um, able for... to meet those guys for even a second and just say thank you and uh, you shake their hands, or that—that that alone is enough. Just having that memory and that—that that fond memory of being able to talk to them. If I could get my copy of Butterfly Ball signed, even the better. Wow. Got to figure out. So, hopefully, our next episode we'll see it displayed up on the wall here. Jealous. <laughs> well, that's if it all goes according to plan. So, hopefully, it does. Well,
1: I mean, I just feel too like this whole meet and greet thing is is just like I mean, if you really break it down, like you are you're paying like to meet the, the, for the experience to meet them. So it's just like anything else. If you're paying for a product or a service, it's just like, if, if they're putting it out there, then they are being paid to give you their time. So they have to be just like a service industry. They have to be cordial. They have to give you the time. It's just like for your, you know, Two hundred bucks or whatever. It's just like they shouldn't be rushing you through or right, right. letting letting you leave with a bad picture or like uh, you know if they don't specify like I mean if you're you're not going overboard and asking them to sign twenty things but it's just like if you ask him to sign butterfly ball or like want a minute or two of his time to like tell him how much his music meant to you or whatever then they should be given it you know right and I figure how many
0: people ask him to sign butterfly ball merchandise probably doesn't happen I'm sure it's happened but probably doesn't happen every night that he's got people lined up to sign memorabilia from
1: Butterfly Ball. That would be really funny if you met him and he's like, ah, that's the fifth one this week. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, what? I'm <laughs> so tired. Of every All everyone wants to talk about is Butterfly Ball
0: this, Butterfly Ball that. That would be pretty wild if they do. Well, I mean, I'd be like, like who, who are God, these
1: people? Is- Give me their contact information. <laughs> they need to listen well, to the show. Well you figure with all the 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 output that he's had over the years and the different projects it's just oh, like Oh yeah, I'm sure people bring I've, Nazareth albums and you
0: know yeah. some of his other more obscure solo projects and I mean Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering
1: knows? like if like you know people not everybody just latches on to that one, you know, so I'm sure that that would be really cool if he's just like, wow, I haven't like thought about this in years. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I can't wait to can't can't wait to report on it. But yeah, can't wait to see your, your hear your report on it. So, um, I unceremoniously uncere- like um, did not get to meet them because I didn't even think about getting a VIP. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, um,
1: I, it, it
0: actually it, into it. For the seats that were The seats that were available I, I was Getting like you know what I might as well get pretty good Seats and then when I looked at the difference between that And the VIP package I was like, Gee, like Seriously this might Could easily be the last time That I, this could be their last tour It could yep. be the last time they play around Here it could be just my last time To ever see them so like why not just do that For that memory you know Yeah Anyway with that, we should really move on to what we came here to talk about today, which has oh nothing to do with this lineup of Deep Purple other than, well, actually, no, none of them. Although Ian, <laughs> Ian Pace did play with Glenn Hughes, and Glenn Hughes is on the Butterfly Ball. That's probably where the similarities end. But we're here to talk about Glenn Hughes, Play Me Out, and there's been a lot of uh, fanfare leading up to this from me. <laughs> from, you, from you especially. Um, so yeah, we we talked a lot about in the Stormbringer and Come Taste the Band episodes about Glenn's obvious drug problems. Uh, when they got to Come Taste the Band, Glenn Hughes had like a lot of leftover songs that they didn't use for that album, and he was really messed up on cocaine at this point, and did, wasn't hmm. really as involved in Come Taste the Band as he could have been. There was you know entire song where he didn't even play on because he had to run home to to rehab, so. He had some unused songs from that, those sessions. He tells these stories in his autobiography about Play Me Out, having this cocaine paranoia running around with a knife into a field because he thought there was someone in the tall grass and he was going to try to kill them. And being at the point where, you know, this was the point for him where drugs stopped being fun and started um, really harming him. He became violent. And he said his only comfort was sitting in front of his Fender Rhodes playing piano and writing music. He said he was in a lot of pain when he wrote this album, and his intention was to push his musical abilities and see what he was capable of. He just wanted to show the world what he was capable of. He was upset that Lord and Pace had left, or had left from Deep Purple to form Pace Ashton Lord. Um, he, there was a little animosity between him and John Lord because we talked about John Lord. John Lord went up, ended up getting together with Hughes' ex girlfriend, and they ended up getting married until she passed away, or until he passed away, I should say um so Mick Jagger offers Hughes the use of his studio to record the album so he does some of it in Mick Jagger's studio Hughes said for the most part he was kind of on speed more than cocaine on this album and that he wrote the album he says he wrote it and recorded it in 10 days and that he never slept once during that time he recorded all the basic tracks vocals and backing vocals now I don't know if that's a tall tale but I'm sure there was not a lot of sleeping if he was on really hooked on speed. He says at one point he saw at one point he saw a nurse walk through the studio with a poodle and he had a conversation with her. But of course that didn't happen because he was hallucinating. I think it's very uh, interesting that he remembers those details. Uh, He said the strings of this album were recorded later in, in LA and the album was mixed at Island studio and Hughes says he was totally out of it, but he's proud of the vocals that he did. He describes the album as being very painful for him. He says it was all about him breaking up with Vicky Gibbs and her leaving him for John Lord. It was about losing his girlfriend to his mentor.
2: Mm.
0: And then from the the liner notes of the CD, they planned on re- releasing the song Smile as a single and smile what didn't actually even end up making the album it's just on the extras that are on the cd version there's like five extra songs or something that are tacked onto the end two that were recorded like the next year and the rest of them were more contemporary to when that was released in the 90s um uh so he, he said he would get to the studio really early record all the stuff so that when the musicians got there they'd be ready to have stuff ready to go um bulk of this album was recorded in 1976, but he took a long time to finish it up because of his drug problems and just getting everything together. Um, Safari was the sister lab- label to Oyster. That's the label that this came out on. So they created Oyster for Rainbow, and then they created the Safari sublabel that released this for some reason. Um, didn't release it originally on Purple Records. It was released in Germany first. That was the considered the biggest market for ex-Purple members. And he says the album cost $16,000 to make. And even by 1977 standards that was considered pretty much nothing. So, it was made very, very cheaply. And Glenn Hughes says he recorded drum he recorded parts with like a drum machine and then they added the other instruments afterwards. So, it's kind of hobbled together, took a long time to develop and finally finish. And we're about to get into this um album in a few minutes. Uh, On this album, we've got Mel Galley on guitar, who was formerly of Trapeze, White Snake, played with Cozy Powell. Bob Bowman on guitar, who played in a couple of bands, Love Machine and Sundance, neither of which I have ever heard of. Pat Travers is on guitar. Dave Holland on drums from Trapeze and Judas Priest. Terry Rowley on piano, who was with Glenn Hughes in the early version of Trapeze. He was also in a few other bands, including a band with Roy Woods. Bob Bailey Robert Bailey on piano, who had played with a few bands. And then he's also played with Johnny Nash, Alice Cooper, and believe it or not, Billy Ray Cyrus. Hmm. Ron Asprey on saxophone. He's been in a few bands, Backdoor and Megatone. Haven't really heard of them. He did session work for Spencer Davis Group, Cliff Richard, and he was on David Coverdale's White Snake and Northwinds albums. Henry Louther on trumpet. who played in a number of different uh, jazz bands bands, Mark Nozif of Elf and Ian Gillen Band and Eddie Harden's Wizards Wizards Convention on percussion, Liza Strike and Helen Chappelle were both backup singers who worked with David Coverdale Elton John, Pink Floyd they were both on the Butterfly Ball Joy Wright is the only other background vocalist but she doesn't have any other compilations or any other uh, credits other than Glenn Hughes compilations that include songs from this album Then there were a bunch of other um, guys that arranged the horns. The, the strings were arranged by a guy who did work with Hans Zimmer, Bon Jovi, John Williams, Paul McCartney, Deep Purple, all sorts of stuff. And the engineer Brad Davis worked with a number of other groups, uh, including doing work with on clear air turbulence, trapeze, King Crimson, and Wang Chung, believe it or not. Hmm. So a lot of People involved in making this album, mm,
2: yeah.
0: Um, and here we go. We've got the the art for the album is pretty understated, but you've got this picture of Glenn Hughes that looks like those pictures that we used to take in school, where there's be the picture of you looking sideways and then the picture of you facing the camera. So. Uh, the version I had looked like this. It's just the one picture of Glenn Hughes. I think they just figured one picture of Glenn yeah. Hughes was enough. That's the one I've always seen. That's the one I've seen. But I guess the originally had the two. And on the back, you've got three photos of Glenn Hughes sweating profusely. I don't know if he's... I don't yeah, know if, that's... It's not like he's on stage. Maybe he's just like severely... Uh, on ho- coke? Hopped up on coke <laughs> or speed or something.
2: Oh, my God. He's just yeah, dripping just like... with sweat.
1: Yeah, it's just this looks really just a, it's a strange group of pictures. It is
0: really weird. Yeah, like the first picture up top is nice, but the other two are very odd. Um, got all the credits on the back. And then it says at the very end, it says this album is dedicated to my best friend Tommy Bolin because Tommy Bolin would have passed away by this time. So very nice little dedication there. And that's, that's kind of that as far as the uh, the album art goes. Um, the, the photography for the cover was by Jared Mankowitz, who I'm not familiar with. All right. That's the setup. Yeah. Are you ready to get space high? Space. Space. Are we ready? Are we going to,
1: how are we going to rank these songs and space, spaceships or? Well, first of all, like where, where is the rest of our song ratings? Like. Oh,
0: I just filtered it so that ins- you didn't have to scroll down so much because oh, okay. we have so many songs in there now. So I just filtered it just by this album.
1: Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You rated them like by lines of coke. I don't know. <laughs> Seems disrespectful. S- s- Speedballs. Speedballs. Bass strings. I don't know. Um, Stevie Wonder glasses. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's what see. Do you wanna... What do you want to rate them by? I don't
0: know. Let's see what let's see what uh, grabs us when we start uh, start this off. The first song is a song called I Got It Covered. And this is a very Stevie Wonder sort of sounding opening, just like the rest of the album. I love when that band kicks in. (laughs) That's that guitar. (laughs) The guitar sounds like Glenn Hughes, actually. The guitar's like. Listen to his vocals.
1: You can tell that he was definitely, I mean, he wrote like, I think except for one song on this album, he wrote all the music. Yep. Like the credits were that he wrote everything. So this is definitely like him just being like, yep, this is me. And this this song is like just, I love how Ping Pong's
0: back. It starts that really soulful, smooth opening. It sounds very much like the beginning of songs in the key of life. And then it goes in this really super funky part and this really mellow chorus right here. I don't think I ever really knew that the song was called I Got It Covered. I just figured it was called I Really Must Know. Because <laughs> he says that nonstop.
1: Yeah.
0: A little like Tommy Bolan influence here. Sounds like a bridge section Tommy Bolo would have on one of his albums.
1: I find that like this song, just like rest of the songs on the album, just sort of like kind of all over the place. Yeah, the arrangements are very non-standard.
0: And I think that's kind of what I like about it. It it Sometimes you just get bored with the same kind of verse-chorus thing, and this this song jumps. It's still got that soulful kind of poppy sound to it, but it's very yeah different. And that's, that's what really grabbed me about Clear Air Turbulence, too. It was like, this is not a song with like, well, this is the A section, this is the B section. It's all these crazy things going on. But not so out there that you're like, oh, and then, then he goes into 13-8 time or whatever. It's it's, it's not like a dream theater song. It's just a lot of different parts. This almost sounds like it could have been one of those medleys of three different songs on a Captain Beyond album, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not just one song.
2: <laughs>
1: he just rips into it right there. Yeah, I mean, there's basically, like, nobody holding him back now. So this is probably the most Glenn Hughes that, you, like, he can be. It's absolutely 100% unfiltered Glenn Hughes.
0: I mean, I've seen him sing live where he's actually even more off the rails than this. Mm. With his singing. Yeah. But for, like, a studio effort, this is, like... And when I say Glenn Hughes is off the rails, I'm saying that in a good way. (laughs) That's a composite for me. But as we've talked about many times, Glenn Hughes is not for everyone and not everyone has the infinite patience for his antics as I do. You can hear that like clavinet in the left speaker there.
1: I think I've listened to that much clavinet in my life as I have in the past few weeks. I know
0: it's, like, <laughs> it's like we're doing a Stevie Wonder podcast. Oh, now it's moved over to the right speaker. Whoa. It's that same little. It's very like low in the mix. The mixing on this album is great, though. It's very interesting. It's got a... As far as that $16,000 thing, it does have a sound to it that the the engineering wasn't quite up to the level of things we've heard previously like rainbow or any of the deep purple stuff but it it's it to me this this record has an atmosphere to it you can just kind of i always feel a certain way listening to this album like i can imagine myself being there in the in the late 70s listening to this in a smoke filled like dark bar or something.
1: Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it definitely evokes a mood. Um, For me, it's not the same as as yours. Like, I'm afraid I don't like it as much. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that it's just like they, I mean, yeah, it is inexpensively produced. Um, mm-hmm. but it was also produced by Glenn Hughes, written by Glenn Hughes. So without really any outside songwriters or producer or any kind of influencers or anything to like really like rein him in or give him ideas. I mean, that's like a kind of a double-edged sword, I guess, because it's like if you don't have anybody else doing that, then you're getting a hundred percent that artist. But yeah. Also without that, you uh, you know, it's just kind of like any old idea that's in a, that he wants to put on there is, just gets puked out onto tape. And I think that that's kind of like, I feel like that's what a lot of this album is. There are a lot of good moments and there are a couple of good songs, but I really like, I get fatigued by the production, like especially like the the effects on his voice. Like I love Glenn Hughes and I love his voice, but it's just like. He's kind of got the warhorse effect going on on this song, but it yeah, works oh, oh, it, much like, better oh, than that effect. But Oh yeah. But I mean, overall, I mean, just the, the fact of like, like how he sings, it's like more like out there than mm-hmm. uh, less rock yeah. and everything, but more soulful and out there and experimental than the other projects. But with like all this slapback reverb and flange and uh, uh, effects and chorus and everything on his voice, it's just that, like after a while, it's like, I can't listen. <laughs> I can't listen anymore. And the arrangements I think are just too like, and this like, if we're talking about this song, the arrangements just, it, it goes on for too long. For me, the song goes on for too long and the arrangement's just kind of all over the place. And um, I don't know, it's um for me, it's different than like a long arrangement from Captain Beyond, because like if we're talking about like arrangement like that, because like in like Captain Beyond song, and like to me it made sense, like I could see where it was going. And this one, it just seems like he just kept like I don't know where he was going. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, so um yeah th- really three three for me on this song three for you I think, yeah I mean uh it, it's just like it's okay I'm giving it a four
0: I dig I dig what he's doing there I, I like that he's while I agree I think he is everybody is benef- has some benefit from being reined in a little bit mm-hmm. uh no matter how good you are there's certain things you do that could work to be reined in. I, I still, I love the experimental nature of this album. I like, he's just kind of doing what he wants to do. He's not worrying. He's not bringing any of this to song doctors to be like, how can I make this a radio hit? You know, he just wants, he's making songs and getting them out there. So that's why I give it a four. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's time to get space high. Uh Speaking of out there,
1: (laughs) Your, your favorite. Oh my God. Yeah. The song is out there like no other. I'm sure it's tethered to a spaceship orbiting Pluto.
0: The bass now sounds like Glenn. It's like all the instruments sound
1: like him. <laughs> it's like let me make all the instruments sound like my voice. I love the way the song starts off, though.
0: Like when it when it really kicks in.
1: I think another thing too is is like this song, like most of the other ones, just they're not very up tempo either.
0: No. No, everything's kinda of chill on this album. So he's talking about thirty-two saucers over the land and asking about these aliens that come out of the saucers. Are they gonna be friendly? Are they gonna be enemies? I'm not a lyric guy, I don't usually listen to the lyrics, but Me neither. For the first time ever I started listening to the lyrics on this
1: I was playing guitar I was just working the wah on this song yeah I guess that's Mel Galley that's funny that this is basically like a trapeze reunion yeah like Glenn Hughes with his old bandmates is like a backing band he's like it's a trapeze reunion
0: except this time you do everything that I say <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any input from any of you play this play this good
1: There it is. Space high. And he says it a few more times, too. My favorite is when he just goes, Space. <laughs>
2: Space.
0: <laughs> right
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> <and>
2: then he's, <laughs> he's, he's.
1: Oh, he says. Yeah, see, that there is just like a little too much for me. The growling. Yeah, like, I ah! mean. I can't even do yeah, it. Yeah, like. I don't know. Like, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I used to love it, but now I, I heard it recently and just now, and I'm just kind of like, ah, dial it back. Oh, God, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's rubbing me the wrong way so much. It just kind of is. None of the strings. I think it's just so... I'm starting to get annoyed, you know, because I just feel like Glenn's just like, let's just throw everything we can in here into this song. Like, strings, wah-wah, me going spurs! You know, like... <laughs> like, you know, it was Cookie Monster, Stevie Wonder vocals. He does
0: vacillate between both. And I know I've, I've always had a superhuman love for anything that Glenn Hughes does so but I can completely understand any criticism
1: of it well and I'm saying all this with like knowing knowing damn well that this is one of my favorite vocalists and bass players ever Yes. I just don't like you know there's always going to be something in somebody's catalog that you don't really care for well there was much.
0: a huge black hole after this in his I mean he got back with trapeze but things kind of fizzled out and he really didn't do much until he joined Black Sabbath briefly very briefly yeah so it, like he was just so messed up on drugs for so long and thank god he got himself out of that spiral because it just makes you wonder what could he have how what, did, what, what could this album have been had he been a little more together and what could the following 15 years have been. And he, Glenn Hughes says in interviews that he doesn't remember the 80s. And, and I'm wow. sure that's, I'm sure that's an exaggeration, but probably not a huge exaggeration.
1: No. A records,
0: huh? <laughs> that's my best. He just, he just mentions Stan. Give me some more Stevie Wonder records. <laughs> Baby, if you knew when I recorded this track. Record, I don't even know what he said right there, but
1: see, I think that it's maybe it's the knowledge too that he was just so messed up during this record that he's just like I mean, like some some of my favorite albums were like recorded when the when the band was like so out of their minds on you know drugs and alcohol and everything, But, but then there's sometimes it just doesn't really I don't know come together. I think.
2: Yeah, it's um,
0: yeah. not, you know. I don't think I knew until very recently that. I mean, listen, uh, whenever this release came out, I think it was 95. Uh, yeah, 95. So I got it then. And what was that? How long ago was that? 25 years ago? Yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that. so I've been listening to this album for 25 years. I don't think I realized until the last six months, even how messed up he was when he made it. Yeah. I knew, obviously, of his problems, but. I never really thought about it. I just kind of, to me, this was a really great record to put on. It was very atmospheric, having it in the background, just kind of setting that mood. It wasn't something I ever really listened to critically until we started doing this. Mm-hmm. It was more yeah, just same. an album I always enjoyed listening to.
1: Yeah, same. Um, well, yeah, I think I said everything I needed to say during the song, so another another three from me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it another four. I I do. I like Space High. I'm sorry. Know you know. You, what, you know what? No, I'm not sorry. I like
1: Space High. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry. I feel. I just feel bad. I'm giving Glenn all these low ratings. I I can't. Like, I'm even thinking of dropping some of them down to like two and a half. But I feel like that's just mean. No, dude. Don't be
0: mean. It's not mean. Just say what you feel about. It. I'm not a. But again,
1: I, I think this just the 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 tempo is just too slow, yeah. And the arrangements are just too like they, they don't go anywhere. I I, I know, always think
0: it. what what Rye from Sabbath Bloody Podcast would think if he was listening to this, he'd probably be giving them all ones and one and a half. So um, <laughs> please uh, feel free to, <laughs> to don't don't worry about my feelings. I was not involved in making this album. I just no, I know. really I, I mean, love it. You you
1: remember the Who do we think we are episode, right?
0: I I do. <laughs> you betrayed me. No, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So I'm not afraid.
1: <laughs> I'm not afraid of you. Um. <laughs> no, it's um. Yeah, I'm just like they're not uh, the so far the first two songs they're not solid threes they're shaky threes. Mm. There you go. They're like two point seven fives
0: really. They're just like two point seven sixes. You're rounding them up. Mm. Okay. All right, next up, we got It's About Time. A little bit of a tempo change for you, at least for the beginning part of the song.
1: Yeah, I always thought the beginning of the song was cool.
0: A lot of left and right panning that I really didn't notice before. I always really liked that transition. Actually, I did too. It's like unexpected. This reminds me of that. Yeah, which song it is Unshared Kazoo, but.
1: This reminds me of like um, with the acoustic guitar when he goes into the verse, and a more polished version of something that he would have done in trapeze. Yes,
0: yep. Yeah, this is the first one where I think you actually hear some trapeze all of these songs have very very short amount of lyric a very small amount of lyrics in them and very like not a lot of Not a lot of lyrics. This part right here reminds me of Holy Man for some reason. This is Come to Me Woman Every Night. Sounds like Call to Madonna to send me a sign. You know, it sounds like Mm. kind of that same rhythm.
1: Well, he did write the other song, too.
0: But again the, the lyrics are probably not his strongest but I'm not yeah, a lyric guy and when you're Glenn oh. Hughes it doesn't freaking matter
1: no I'm just listening to his voice his voice is just incredible I mean I like lo- I love the arrangement and how the song builds during the verses um, I think it's still what, it still would have been better if he just got those effects off of his voice but... it, was, it know, sounds I like just... a chorus on this, on this one like a chorus effect yeah but it's just like all over his voice on this album and I think it just kind of ruins it because his voice is so great he doesn't need all that crap
0: yeah like like John Lennon used to put tons of effects on his voice because he didn't like the sound of his voice but Glenn Hughes likes the sound of his voice I think like you said he was probably just in the studio and like sometimes you get it carried away you're like oh I got all these new effects so I have to use them or I got all these new synthesizers so I'm going to put them in every song that's totally normal
1: I just love this piano part here. You see him walking around the lounge with the spotlight on him. He's like, anybody here from out of town? <laughs> 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 well, he's throwing roses, roses <laughs> out to the audience and I don't know. But no, this is really great, kind of like, you know, lounge, jazz lounge piano solo.
0: I no, they've. I think they've done a couple more re-releases of this album too. I, I would wonder what it would be as a a remix or remastered. How if they, if they toned down some of these effects on the vocals? Yeah. It's almost like it's when he he when he belts it out. It's almost like it's um a little. Overloaded, like the, the the vocals are clipping almost a little bit, mm. or or the yeah. or the it's causing the effect to clip a little bit.
1: Like how this ends. Well, that's good stuff. I like that because that kind of like the song followed. Uh, no, I actually didn't follow formula. It just it stayed on track. The only thing that was weird about it was that kind of that beginning, that intro was just like, it didn't come back or yeah. fit anywhere else dun, in the song. It was dun,
0: just like, I
1: like, I
0: like it though. Yeah. Cause it. I like when they take you in this one direction. Oh, here's the, Oh, I got this idea in my head. This is what the song's going to be. Nope. Not even close. It was this yeah. like lounge. I was thinking it was going to be this really upbeat, fast, tempo, funky rock sort of song.
1: Yeah. So it was like and, this kind of like disco like intro. And then mm-hmm. it just like turned into like this kind of, you know, jazzy ballad type thing, which was like. But it, it didn't like reference it anywhere else in the song or it didn't come back. It didn't take any left turns. So that that I didn't mind so much. I like that, you know, is, is that it just kind yeah. of tricked you and then. It
0: was no. cool because I think if you had some st- song doctor come in, they'd be like, oh, you're going to lose that part. And I, I <laughs> like that it's, I like the independence of this album. The fact that he's, it it it, it in parts is a detriment and, and it's causing some of the reasons that you don't like it as much, but it's also a benefit because he's not, he's not knuckling under some producer or whatever. He's just saying, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want on this album and take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what do you think about? It's about time.
1: Um, It's about time that I rated a song higher than a three. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) wah wah. Nice segue.
2: Um,
1: Well, I really like everything about this one, Um, despite the fact that, like, the vocal effects are still bothering me. I'm going to give it a four.
0: Yeah, I I, I would hang with a four on this one too. I don't think it's quite
1: enough for a four and a half,
0: but I do really like the song. All right. Next, speaking of changing it up, we're going to have a another uh, little bit of a change here with our next song, which is called L.A. Cutoff. The first Glenn Hughes solo
1: song I think I ever heard. Really? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I present the Los
0: Angeles Cutoff. Huh. I like that intro. It's like that's what British people think American people start sound like. <laughs> it reminds me you ever watch the show uh, Jeeves and Worcester? No. I'm always like, there's this one episode where they 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 go to America and they meet some Americans and it's all British people playing the Americans. It's probably filmed in England and they're like, "Hey, I think that ginger over there is taking the car." And you're <laughs> like, "Oh, that's clearly a British guy doing an American accent." Yeah. I always think of that when I hear the beginning of this song. It sounded almost like a Billy, uh, Billy Cobham sort of drum thing he did there.
1: <laughs> I don't know. You coming back, strong? Coming back strong. Strong. <laughs> little belting <laughs> I like how he tries to do the most 70s bass over here when he's like Bang! yep it's great I always like this part to- great
0: horns on this too like what he's off the rails and I friggin love it Uh. this is a really cool part
1: They really got off. It's like he's, <laughs> he's, he's
0: like he, he's treating it like a live show. I want to see you dance. Glad there's nobody here. It's,
1: well, except you know, a nurse with a <laughs> the poodle, elephant, or he, whatever. He wants to see the
0: nurse and the poodle dance. talks here about three years gone coming back strong like what's he talking about
1: I don't know because this was not his comeback album no and he hadn't,
0: he even hadn't gone away yet Deep
1: Purple <laughs> hadn't even been gone
0: for that long you. You one friend in the city now ain't that a pity Follow me, Babe.
2: <laughs>
0: so, this would have been the song that um, closed out the first side of the album, I think. Wow. Wait, do I have that right? No, the next song would have been sorry.
1: Oh, okay. So I can't remember. It was like I think that this this might have been on like the Deep Purple family like album or something like that. Yeah. Because there was like basically it was like and that's I probably what got us started on thinking about all these offshoots of Deep Purple being like the Deep Purple family because it's like, they have like, um, you know, the the bands that were before and after and stuff because that's the, where I heard like the one song, like the one Billy Cobham song that Tommy Boland was on or like the, or this or um, like uh, episode six or whatever. It's just like all the different bands that I had heard related to Deep Purple were on this like compilation. And I remember this just being on there. Um, before I got this CD, um, but despite everything that I had said about, like, all, like, the the first couple of songs kind of being all over the place, whatever, it works on this song. Like, I really like it, and his, like, the chorus vocals are just, like, really make me laugh. we back strong. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this one, he just, like, I don't know, he he. whatever he was going for he nailed it so it's just like um and i i like listening to it even though it seems like it would be kind of a all over the place type of song it kind of has a structure to it so yeah um and i like the performance and everything so definitely like four for me i will give it a four as well and i I think it's it's
0: yeah everything is very loose on this just just they will be. It's not like extended jams either. It's just weird little instrumental segments, and then you hear like dong dong, ding, dong, 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 ding, dong in the background. It's just like he little just like touches, he yeah. just like oh, at the beginning of every verse, I'm just gonna throw that in there, and you just whatever, whatever he felt like doing. It's just kind of like I said, it's kind of free. It it it's freeing to hear that and not hear someone that's so hung up on this is what management wants, this is what the producer wants. It's just this is what. Freaking Glenn Hughes wants, and nobody else. Right. That might be part of the problem with this album's success, as we'll get into later. It was mm-hmm. what, but you know that that's to be commended. He's not. He wasn't going for like, oh, this is going to be this huge commercial success. He was just like, this is what I. W-. I'm sure he would have loved that, but he. This is just yeah. what he wanted. This is the album he wanted to make. Well, the next song is called Well. Beginning of this always reminds me like of one of those Black Sabbath
1: instrumentals. Hmm. That's the other thing too. See, it's just like these guitars, they're just like they're just saturated in that weird. I don't know. Would have liked it better if they were just cleaner. Trying to think of what's on them. It might be like a chorus effect on those too. And I mean I I like chorus effects. That's the thing. This is like they don't usually bother me, but I don't think it was used to great effect on this album. And plus the playing is a little I don't know, not tight enough for me here.
0: I kinda like that. I kinda like that it's it's almost like a aimless little noodling sort of thing.
1: I don't want to hear noodling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like this thing at the end. Subtle little melody line in the background.
1: That's how he ends the first side. Interesting little thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that um he was he played all the guitars on it. I would assume so. If I'm not wrong. Um yeah, it was just like Yeah, I don't, <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes just hurt. Um yeah, I mean I, I I say it with all the all the love uh for Glenn Hughes, but it's just like um I don't know if it was just the I mean, I'm all for like things being loose and sloppy and experimenting and stuff, but it's just like, again, I don't think that on this song, like, that particularly worked too well, like, you know, probably maybe could have gone somewhere with it. And see, this is somewhat something, too. It's like, what was it, like, a couple of minutes or, like, a minute or something? minute it's like and a every, half. minute and 28 every, seconds. Everything else was drawn, has been drawn out to, like, five <laughs> minutes or whatever, and then he could have explored this and maybe made it a little bit something better, and instead it was just kind of, like, just kind of noodling and I wasn't crazy about the effects or like the production on it. So like, but it's still like kind of a nice little thing, but you know, still two and a half for me. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it a three. I think it's, you know, not
0: a super remarkable. I mean, I don't even know if you'd call it a song. It's more just like a little instrumental interlude Mm. more than anything else. Now oh, I can't see out of my glasses. Okay. <laughs> Next song up we have is Solution. Not Solution. Solution. Ah, Glenn. Like a blood, sweat, and tears sounding intro here.
2: ha <laughs> ha.
0: He's doing a little pop on the little pop and hammer on on the G string it sounds like. (laughs) He's warming up for the B-side here. Another kind of fake out intro. Back and forth with the backup singers. Reading through most of these lyrics, though, it's just kind of like I have no idea what he was <laughs> talking about. Something just struck me as funny. He says, no confusion in the background, singers. No confusion. He says, no illusion. They say, no illusion. Then he says, changing fusion. And then they just go, ooh, like they didn't know
1: what he said. <laughs> 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 oh, I wish that I caught that, too, because it sounds really funny. I think they'll do it again next time. <laughs> 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 I've never heard it that way before, but it just popped in my head right now.
0: walking down main street oh i love those background singers i like this little instrumental part here too
2: Shut it!
0: A sucker for horns and background singers. Okay, here we go, listen to the chorus now. Not doing it this time. they remember it this time now they remember <laughs> i remember what he said last time <laughs> 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 it's a kind of an interesting part of the arrangement is that it was a it was a call and response the first time although they just said ooh on the third one this time they're singing along with him which is kind of cool i, I like when they don't just stick to a very
1: It sounds very organic, not so cut and paste. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one thing that the album has going for it. It's just like very organic. I think that's a good word for it.
0: These horn arrangements are pretty sick, honestly. Guy okay, horns are Ron As Asprey Arrange the horns. Nice job, Ron. Mm. All right. No
1: solution. Mm. Well, I um. I, I think uh, just another. I'm like I I I I, I yeah. um just an, another meandering song in my opinion. Three. I'm gonna hit it up with a four. I'm
0: I, I just totally agree agree with what you're saying. I I, I just I'm a sucker it, for that kind of. I'm a sucker for the horns
1: and the and the the background vocals just. Well, they were good. I mean, that's why I didn't rate it any lower, you know, it was like when we were listening to it together, I was like, yeah, I like the, the call and response. And I like the arrangement a little bit. It's just like, just drags, you know, for me, it's just, it's dragging. It's too long.
0: Yeah, I like, can see that. Every song,
1: every song just feels like it's taking forever to listen to. Like, I don't know. I feel like when we're having like conversation, like side conversations <laughs> inside the song, it's just like, then, you know, it's too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that's that's fair enough yeah
0: alright next up your love is like a fire another kind of typical Hughesian intro <laughs> yeah, Hughesian Stevie Wonder, I mean, obviously it's all Stevie Wonder, but this one lyrically and melodically sounds more Stevie Wonder than a lot. I could totally see this being an outtake from Songs in the Key of Life. Only a minute into the song, he's almost done with the lyrics. again the, the effects on the vocals
1: yeah that's that's all I can hear I do feel like it's too much I really do like this part I've always liked this part yeah this is a great chorus section the like um, was a keyboard or synth under it it's gotta be some sort of synth
0: it's like a moog or something Little instrumental section in the beginning, in the middle of the song here.
1: I do, I do really like this one. I like how all the keyboards and everything build on each other. It's very dramatic. See that fades in like that. I love that.
2: There's
0: one part where I think he does on the bass. He goes. Do 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 when they're coming out of that part, it's just awesome. You... When you listen to just the synth part of this, it sounds like something out of the Butterfly Ball.
1: Oh, it does, yeah.
0: Like one of those instrumental segments. Much lower in the mix here, though.
1: We're only halfway through the song. A little more than that. But yeah,
0: it's... Another very long song. Six and a half minutes long. This part has... This verse part has like kind of four verses. Yeah. All in a row. At the beginning of the song, and then at this part of the song it does all four of them again. which And it's the exact same lyrics, which to me is... And I believe after this, they go back into the instrumental section. It's almost kind of like they could have cut this second part out or spaced out half of them at this part and half of them at the other part so it doesn't go on quite as long.
1: Then we go right back into this. But no, he's added the sax on it. Nothing wrong with adding a sax solo. No, but it's like, it's not just the same old thing. He's kind of building on yeah. it instead of it just being the same section as before. And this, <laughs> this sax would <laughs> have been played
0: played by Ron Asprey who did the horn arrangement. So he's also a great sax player. Here it is.
2: Oh no, no, it's not back.
1: The strings come in here. I really love those strings. Worked really well on this.
0: I think this is where that bass run comes in. Oh, that was just kind of like octave thing. Still so no, good. The disco octave thing, yeah. No, no problem with that. Maybe it's on this repetition right here. Nope. I don't know when the hell it is, apparently. <laughs> oh, maybe it's during the fade out. That's the perfect time to throw one of those in. Right here. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Perfect. I should have known it was on the fade out. It's so great doing the doing a a, a base a high bass fill with the song's fading out. Pure class. You can't beat that. I used to do it all the time, and probably mostly influenced by that song. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that song's kind of a mixed bag. I, I like the. I really like those instrumental segments, the strings. It's so... The dramatic builds of them. But I feel those verse seg- segments go on a little... They're
1: very down key and could easily stand to be half as long as they are. You see, and that's the thing where I think, like, uh, you know, another songwriter or producer would have been able to come in and, like, mm-hmm. not only, like, adjust the sound, like, those harsh, like... It's really almost harsh-sounding, like, vocals in the... um in the verse, but also like the length and the arrangements of the songs. Yeah. Um Could have been like way shorter. And like, I mean, not, not to make it more of like effective to be like, like a radio hit or anything like that, but just to be more like, just more pleasant to listen yeah. to. Um, so as much as I don't like the, the, the arrangement as much or the um just the the vocal of the vocal effects actually weren't as bad during like the like the bridge part and everything before the the instrumental and everything but during the verses they just were like I don't know you know what I mean it, it's just yeah. like you hear you hear like a song like um, like when he does like uh, this time around and it's like way different than what he does here you know what I mean it's like yeah. You know, just him at a piano, just belting it out, and it's like, so you know he can do it, but I think it was just like, I don't know, not as great production. But, um, anyways, despite all that, um, I really like what the song has to offer. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it a four.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I, I could, with the proper arrangement, I could easily bump this one up to a four point five. Mm. But
1: yeah, I think that yeah the. The, the, the long i was gonna say the longevity of the song but the uh the length the longness <laughs> the, the longness <laughs> the longness the longness of the arrangement uh, and the vocal effects during the verse kind of kill it for me a little bit I'm looking at the
0: playtime for this album so the playtime for the original release is 42 and a half minutes and you know the captain Beyond album I think it was like 35 minutes so you know albums were really short back then so this was kind of a lengthy album for the time for the style of music anyway I think if you had shaved this album down to 36 minutes 38 minutes maybe and cut back on some of that extra some of these songs could have a little bit more pop and leave you wanting a little bit more but this is being said by somebody who loves this album so I don't want to you know, just thinking of ways to make it even better, but you know, this album's forty-two years old, so
1: yeah, I think you're forty-something odd years late. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's okay. it's <laughs> okay. That's okay. Um, all right, the
0: next song we have up is called Destiny. And that kind of sounds like the beginning of that song. Well.
1: Except it's... There's a trapeze kind of beginning to it. Yeah. A I mean, you probably think it's because, like, yeah. Well, probably because the, the guys from, from playing on it from trapeze, probably. Makes sense. As well. Kind of like that riff, like Forever Man from Eric Clapton, like in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I like the direction it went in. This is kind of nice groove going on. You know, I feel like the effects on his voice aren't as strong on this song. I feel like they dialed them back or it's there's nothing on it at all.
0: <laughs> this is my destiny. <laughs> Great. Wow, he's really
1: just—he's <laughs> <In the face. laughs> oh, still shit. going. <laughs> yeah, you you love it so much. I do.
0: Uh. I would love to hole up in my studio here for ten days, just like pissing in a bucket, not even. <laughs> Showering Uh, uh. and just come up, just emerge up into the main floor after 10 days and say, Behold, I've created this album. I don't care what's wrong with it, I don't care any of the problems. I don't, this is what I've got, and you all can suck it.
1: Oh, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, that little. Looked... feel like the guitar was playing and the bass was just like, oh no, you know, you're not stealing focus. <laughs> <laughs> in the background. I, I know I've, I've dominated
0: every second of this album, but I'm not going to let the guitar player come in with 20 seconds of solo and go unchecked. <laughs> I like this part here. The bass is out of control on the song. (laughs) It's amazing. Like who, (laughs) what producer would let a bass player get away with doing that? You know, like it has to be, he had to have total control because he's like, I don't care. Oh yeah. I don't even know if the Glenn he was playing that bass part knew he was recording. Probably not. (laughs) Just strumming away with the pick. He's still going, too. He's not... He's not laying down a foundation. He's just... pretty amazing that he could have composed these songs this way and like you know he did all the backing vocal or backing tracks rather and then came in afterwards and laid down the vocals did string arrangements and horn arrangements and everything after the fact it's amazing that he was able to hold any of it together really because it's so loose and freeform Mm. I I, i can imagine it must have been a challenge for the people coming in and putting those the backing vocals and the, okay, this time, what do we do? Okay. This time you want us to sing with you. Okay. Like, no, I wonder how much went, direction woo. was going into that and from who. <laughs> that's <laughs> why that one line, they went, Hoo. <laughs> they just looked at all three of them, looked at each other. Hoo. <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's, huh? that's great. Keep it. <laughs> it was great. You know, it worked out well.
1: Huh, cut, print it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you think of destiny? Um, now I'm just like getting amused with all these songs. Like, I'm having a fun time listening to them. It is, <laughs> but, it's you know, great. It's great. Um I this, you know what? I feel like there's a lot that went into that, so I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I am I'm, I'm because with I my, do I do like it.
0: I'm sticking with my four on that one. I do, I, I like it. Like I like what it has created. <sighs> and that brings us to only one song left. Mm. that is the final the album closer I found a woman (laughs) yet another mellow Glenn Hughes crooning opening Every one of these songs is this like kind of lengthy intro or.
1: Again, another like kind of coast to coast feel. Mm hmm. This is really good.
2: I
0: love the whole, the string arrangement here. It's like big, the melody of the song. It's a great melody, and he he belts out the the album title right there. It saves it for the very end.
2: Play oh, me yeah. out.
0: I found a woman to play me out.
1: And it's kind of like a little more restrained Like the bass isn't doing anything <laughs> wacky After the last song
0: Anything is restrained uh, play, I could play a <laughs> Stew Ham song And you'd be like ah oh, very understated bass line On this song
1: <laughs> you gonna do like all sweep, Bass sweep arpeggios <laughs> And it would be less, <laughs> be less Busy than what we heard earlier But, it, like, it kind of has this, like, kind of dark-sounding, like... Yeah. And then it, like, raises up, you know? Like, I don't know what it is, like, the... the, the Like, what key or whatever, but it just it kind of switches to this kind of, like, almost like a minor dark-sounding thing, and then it just kind of, like, goes into this, like, really uplifting part where we're in now. You know what I mean?
0: Yep. I love those... Just the little stabs on the on the strings it just makes it This is and this is one of the songs that probably has more of a concise arrangement, and being that it's yeah. only four
1: minutes even, and the first almost minute is just that intro. And like the last two songs, especially this one, it just it, it sounds like he really dialed back the vocal effects, which I think like would have been way better if he had done that on the whole album. That's Makes this song really great to listen to. Um, aside from the just the arrangement, the music, everything. So. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I found a woman like four, four bases for me. Hmm. Right. I liked
0: it. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a four too. I toyed with a four point
1: five, but. I mean, I like. I really like Glenn Hughes ballads you know, where slow songs are. Yeah, he can, he can do
0: a lot with, I mean, he can do a lot with anything, but with that particular style of song, he can, he can really just own it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There we have it. The Glenn Hughes, out. play me out album.
1: It is, it is played out. It, we
0: have played it out. Yeah. Now in this, on the CD release, there's an additional one, two, three, four, five songs but we're not getting to those today. We're just going with, we're kind of staying strict to the original albums as they were released.
2: Mm.
1: So despite how much you liked it, we both fell inside of a, um, well, you obviously liked it more than I did, but we fell into like almost like a, like a point forty four variance and how much we liked it.
0: Which is um, one of our bigger variances. Aside from um, who do we think we are and it's tied with the stormbringer. And Shirkazoo. Shirkazoo is a little well, bit, uh, yeah. Shirkazoo is a little closer, but not by yeah, much. Count
1: but yeah, so this is uh, like firmly in the you know, like I'm I'm like three three point four four, you're three point eight nine. Mm-hmm. So with a combined total of seven point three three, which you always you always like your your good ratings always make these things like swing give them the upswing here. Um, to put that in perspective though it's like um similar rating to fireball a huh? uh, combined rating that is yeah um which again I know that like uh, you can only know so much from numbers but it's kind of interesting to see stuff like that like you know where where we would rate like uh, solo releases and stuff like this in comparison to like the early like just like classic, purple albums and be it like is- wow i like this one slightly more than fireball <laughs> but that's there's a lot kind of, that goes into it
0: it's a go to album for me something that if I'm,
1: I'm in the right mood i'll always put it on yeah i'll say that the last couple have not actually the last few have not been uh for, for me yeah. like this one like even the first rainbow album like i i listened to i listened to uh to rainbow rising You know, I listen to Rise. I don't listen to the first Rainbow album. And after, like, kind of dissecting it, I understand more why, you know. It's like, uh, it's kind of funny, like, uh, to to think about when we sit here and we listen and we dissect everything, it's like I kind of get to the root of why I like or don't like as much, like, certain albums or why I don't go to them as much. Because you don't really sit there and think about it and pull it apart, so... But yeah, I, right. think that, um, I think that I think that Glenn Hughes' performance, like his vocal performance, I I don't know. I've heard him do better vocals, although he's got some great moments. Oh sure, but
0: yeah, but it is—it's all over the place. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I mean, like that's production notwithstanding, right? Um, but anyways,
0: all right, Glenn Hughes, play me out. So, after this album was released, so they finished recording this album. Glenn Hughes gets on a plane with Terry Rowley from Heathrow to Chicago, and they were, he said he was coming down off of speed, and the, the, he got, so he got off the plane because he wanted a uh, at one of the connection flights because he wanted a sandwich. <laughs> so he leaves the plane, um, and he had the masters for the album on the plane, and oops, the plane took off without him. Luckily Terry rowley was there and kind of kept the masters safe, but he almost lost the entire album. Yes. <laughs> yes it would. So the album gets some mixed reviews. It got some rave reviews in the and the in the Sounds magazine from from Jeff Barton, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, diehard fans of Deep Purple just did not get this album did not understand it and it didn't get any real promotion Glenn Hughes planned a a tour for the album that never happened and so that didn't get it it any uh, didn't do it any service it was re-released in 1983 Um, and then Again, like I said, Deep Purple fans were just kind of more confused than anything else. After the release, an interesting tidbit I I learned from his autobiography is that uh, Ozzy told Glenn Hughes he wanted to form a band called Blizzard of Oz with Glenn Hughes on bass. Hmm. But Hughes didn't want to be in a band where he didn't sing, so he turned him down.
1: That would have been very interesting. But I can't even like picture that scenario because like he we know that he always wants to say he just doesn't want to be in the background it's also
0: funny it would be funny to have glenn hughes backing ozzy who's glenn hughes is clearly a better singer and yeah i love Oz, as coming as an ozzy fan i love ozzy but um it would be just funny to have glenn hughes and you just just sitting back there playing bass not singing and you've got ozzy up in fronting the band it just be, would be weird
1: yeah you need like other people that can't sing to be with Ozzy or yes. just don't sing. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, you could picture him back there like with the white jumpsuit on and like, you know, everything's like, running off the rail and a crazy train, <laughs> <Trail. laughs>
0: <laughs> um, So people <laughs> like, Hughes thought that this was going to be the big this was going to be a big thing for him and it was going to lead to a big successful solo career and it probably could have but the drugs really really held him back so I'm going to re- start off with this positive review from Sounds magazine 1977. It's long so I'm just going to give some some uh excerpts. So Jeff Barton says in Sounds magazine in 1977 he says Now this record has been out for an age I know but it's only recently that I've been able to get my hands on a copy on the highly unlikely label of Safari Records, as far as I know, and for reasons I don't understand, it's only been released in Germany, and a few other weird places like Greenland and such like. What the hell? Whatever the policy marketing restrictions, this album must be granted a full release in Britain sometime in the near future. Simply must, for Glenn Hughes is really uh, something of a triumph. So he's lamenting the fact that it's not available in England at that time. And it was weird how they did releases. Play Me Out runs the gamut of soulful expression. From the proud, lip-pouting strut of I Got It Covered, through the warm, heartfelt ballad Your Love Is Like a Fire, up to the joyous celebratory I Found a Woman. Hughes knows that he's got a great pair of chords of course, and occasionally the cockiness proves to be a disadvantage as he crams too many different vocal variations into a uh, into a song. Also, mm. he sometimes sounds too much like Stevie Wonder for comfort. Unnecessary, unfortunate, but true. So he pretty much raves about the album. It just makes a few of those little points that actually we made. Mm-hmm. And the the title of this review is "Soulful Flight of a Purple Emperor," and the editor put a comment right right under it that says, oy vey, poetic headlines already. <laughs> I have to agree with them there. Um, so I reached out to our buddy Jörg Planer, and I was like, hey, do you have any other reviews? Because I, I couldn't find anything really. So he had a couple of reviews from uh, German publications, because he is German. And you and i are not so we can't read this right here but this is a german so he he was kind enough to do some rough translations for us he says this first first one that he sent us uh says basically it's a boring flop <laughs> so not very not very kind oh boy he sent the second one he says the second one is more harsh saying uh, Uh, Glenn is trying to play guitar and sing solo and hearing the album and he isn't and won't be good in both. His singing in Solution sounds like he's imitating a love-hungry cat. (laughs) Very harsh. (laughs) A love-hungry cat. I love reading the bad reviews, even of albums I love. Mm, So that's the kind of reception I got in Germany despite being released there first. Ach. But that's it. That's Uh, play me out.
1: All right. Another one in the books.
0: Another one in the books for the Deep Purple podcast. All right. Anything anything else about the album before we close it up and move on to the news?
1: No, I've said everything that I feel. (laughs) Everything you feel about the... Yeah. Yeah. Glenn Hughes' solo is pretty spotty. I don't think there's like one of his albums that I truly like love the whole thing. He just has like moments here and there Yeah, for, you know, and songs for me and other projects he's done.
0: I think that's when he was in Mark three and four, how it balanced so well. Cause there was so much else going on in those bands. Yeah. All right. So in the news from a show a few days ago, so, you know, ginger Baker passed away recently mm-hmm. and deep purple. Their show in Portland, Maine, just a couple of days before you saw them uh, three days before you saw them—in a tribute to Ginger Baker, they opened the show with a little "Sunshine of Your Love." Hmm. When well, he, uh, <laughs> Ian Gillan, do his Elaine Bennis dance in the background there? <laughs> Did he not know the words to the song? Or? He doesn't even have a microphone, so I don't think he's getting up. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a cool little tribute there. Nice. Whenever I hear that song, I think of when I when I was in a band with uh, our friend Dave. His father was a drummer, so what he would do when we had band practice is he would call down the stairs, "Dave, you have a phone call." So Dave would go running up the stairs, and then his dad would run down the stairs and jump on the drums. And we and he we'd always play that song, me, him, and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we'd play Sunshine Your Love. For some reason I always uh-huh. went back to that. He always held the drumsticks like jazz style. He was frying eggs. <laughs> and and we would we'd, we'd jam every and Dave would fall for it every time. You have a phone call. okay. And he'd run upstairs. That's funny.
1: Right. I, I I remember you telling me that like a while ago. <laughs> yeah, we'd do and it every would, do, time. And I wouldn't and I wouldn't put it past Dave either. No. Oh, got a phone do? call. You could, Yeah, you could fool them
0: with anything. No, it was pretty easy to fool.
1: <laughs> uh, also in the guy.
0: news, a new, new book coming out by Martin Popoff, who's written some great books over the years about Deep Purple and many other bands. Sensitive to Light, The Rainbow Story. So this is an update to his old book that's out of print now, which is called Rainbow English Castle Magic. This has... A lot of extra. He says it's about 50% longer than the original. He added a bunch of pictures, new interviews, um, major overhaul in the whole analysis of the band. So should be a really interesting read if you're into Rainbow. Check it out. And it's weird he doesn't like have an online store or anything set up. So it's just his email address. So I emailed him the other day. I was like, Hey, uh, can I get a copy of this book? <laughs> He's like, Sure. <laughs> I was like, how, So how do we do this? And I, I just. Uh, he sent me a PayPal, pal invoice. And I just paid it and, and oh, books nice. should, book should be coming soon. So I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait on that one. So,
1: you know, it's um, it's funny because I had a uh, just makes me think of um, the other night when we went to the, to the show um, uh, you know, Peter had the extra ticket. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so um, yeah, man, uh, how do I, uh, how do I pay you back or something? They said, do you have Venmo or something? And yeah, he started, he, him and his friends looked at each other and they started laughing. I'm like, what? And he goes, um, I can't remember the exact story. But he said, no, no, it's kind of a joke or something like, because I didn't know what it was. And somebody asked me recently what Venmo was. And I was like, what is that? A disease or, <laughs> you know, it was just like, you know, just like any, any one of us would just say a total, like, you know, Oh, you know, old school guys like in the uh, in the new world type of thing. It's like, what is this Venmo thing? Yeah, I want to pay, like, I want to pay him by PayPal because spoiler alert, he did not have Venmo, we, <laughs> which is oh, why PayPal, he has, PayPal works. No, yeah, it does. Um, I just like um, uh, the the interface for Venmo is like a lot uh, easier, even though PayPal has an app and everything like that. But uh,
0: yeah, yeah, my wife uses Venmo. I haven't actually used it yet, but when we get a babysitter, like we'll yeah. get a babysitter and she'll be like twenty years old. And my wife would be like, Oh, do you do Venmo? She's like, no, she's like, you're 20. Like you're half my age and you don't do Venmo. So we'll have to go to the bank and go to an ATM on our way back from going out to dinner or whatever. Oh Um, boy. Anyway. Yeah. Then it it works the other way. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, also in the news, Steve Morse does a really, actually really good interview with him. I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. Uh, It's an episode of Ernie Ball Striking a Chord podcast. He talks about being in the band, being on tour with them. And then he tells this kind of disgusting story about, you know, when he was first in the band and how people would treat him because he was, you know, replacing Blackmore. People would like throw bottles at him and all this sorts of crazy shit. And at one point he says somebody spit at him and it like spit directly into his mouth. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I so Ugh. I guess Steve Morse seems like a really low key kind of guy but I guess he was not low key that night he jumped people thought he was just stage like uh stage diving but he was he jumped into the audience and <sighs> attacked this guy.
1: I would too spit in my mouth. Yeah, that it's disgusting. Unless I ask you to.
0: So an interesting.
1: Wah, wah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no, but really that's oh no yeah. it's,
0: that's that's not cool
1: no I'd um, go out there and whoop somebody's ass too if they did that not cool um,
0: then we got our history so this will, episode will come out October 28th through November 3rd here is the great news that's coming up that week or history that's coming up that week I should say most importantly November 3rd Nick Simper's birthday Nikki. Nikki. Born November 3rd,
1: 1945. Look at that friggin'
0: helmet of hair. I mean, that's I picked... I didn't accidentally pick that picture. I know. (laughs) I had many others to choose from. Uh, October 29th, 1984. Oops. Deep Purple releases Perfect Strangers. A triumphant return of Mark II. And then... The demise of Mark II. October 30th, 1993. Richie announces his resignation from Deep Purple. He will no longer be playing in the band and that's the end of this reunion reunion that started in 84 and broke off and came back together and just kind of was it was just as tumultuous the
1: second time around. You know it's funny you look at like this picture you have up of like Blackmore and Gillen. and like Blackmore looks like the same as he did like like what 10 or 15 years earlier. Yeah, and like you know, Ian definitely looks like he's starting to age a little bit. Yeah, well, well I mean,
0: you know, well, well, Gillen let it go with the hair and everything, and Blackmore's hair is essentially the same hairstyle for the past thirty years.
1: Well, I mean, that's what it is when you wear wigs. So, does he wear wigs? I am pretty sure. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a a piece. Really? Well, think about it. Right? right I'm so bad at like, noticing that. Well, I'm I'm like a lot more keen on noticing that stuff these days, just because like a lot of people talk about that stuff. Yeah. And like he had that kind of like straight, like wiry hair in the '70s, and then all of a sudden he just had like this curly top, like starting like with the Perfect Strangers album, and it never changed, and it's still the same now. Hmm. You know, and the guy's like, what is it his '70s, and it's like not even gray. Come on.
0: Well, yeah, that part. Definitely. I mean, sure, you
1: could you could color it, but I mean it's like at this point it definitely eh, he's not fooling me.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of stuff in this Google search thing that he does.
1: I mean, it doesn't really matter yeah. one way
0: or the other. Who right? gives a crap is really though? Well, I think he's he, they're pretty uh, convincing. I never really even thought about it to be honest.
1: Well, I I would say like, you know what? like do do like ian gillen does like sure we all wish that he still had that gorgeous mane of hair that he used to have but it's just like yeah the dude got old and he cut it short and he's just like going on natural roger glover throws a throws a big old bandana on because he's going bald or he's bald yep um you know run with it exactly don airy god bless him that charles bronson haircut (laughs)
0: What if you found out that was a wig? He specifically got it designed to look like Charles Bronson.
1: It was <laughs> at one point. He was doing a keyboard solo, and I'm just like, yeah, death wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. And on oh, that boy. note, I think that's uh, all we got this week. Yep. All right, well, next next week begins our Butterfly Ball extravaganza, much to the dismay of everyone but
1: me. (laughs) Well, I think we're going to have fun listening to it again. I haven't heard it as an album or even clips for like a long time.
0: Yeah, well, we got a lot to cover before we get to the album. So we're going to start to unravel and deconstruct all of the various people who went into putting that together, which is an immense list. So uh, you'll be introduced probably to some new musicians and singers you haven't necessarily thought of or heard of before and i get a little bit of a background and, and a quick background on all of them so it might be it might be a little bit of a shorter episode next week next couple of shows before we dive into the actual album because we it's kind of like we did with the chair album it's too much to just cram into one episode unless yeah. we wanted like a four-hour episode so we'll, we'll we'll get kind of all the introductions of who all these people and players are out of the way And then we'll dive into actually listening to the album, which I'm very excited to do. Mm. Yes. With that, I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Okay. All right. Take it easy. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deep purplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
1: He's just like, I went down there like, all right, man, you ready for dinner? And he's like, oh, I met this great group of people. Let's go to this pub. And I'm like, ah, fuck, you know, I'm like <laughs> I don't want to meet these fucking people.
2: Shh. <sniffs>